House of K-Fame. Welcome to House of K-Fame with Brian Reznor and Stephen New. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the House of Kayfabe. I am your host, Brian Reznor, and I am with Stephen P. New. He is just not here right now. We do have a lot of things coming up on this show. We've got the second part of the Ricky Morton interview that is coming up. We're also going to discuss the it guy, the next it guy. And we're also going to talk about Peacock sanitizing what we love. So uh, keep it right here. We'll be back with a lot more show on the House of Kayfabe. House of Kayfabe. Hey there, everybody. This is Stephen P. New from the House of Kayfabe. And I just want to tell you that uh, in addition to being a co-host on House of Kayfabe, I am, in fact, a lawyer licensed to practice law in the state of West Virginia and other states by special permission. My law office is at newtaylorlaw.com. We handle all types of personal injury matters, discrimination, wrongful death cases, and do certain cases outside of the state of West Virginia and the Commonwealth of Kentucky uh, just based upon uh, selectivity and what that case may be. I have cases right now in probably nine to ten different states. We get admitted what's called pro hoc vice by special permission to practice in other states. So if you or a loved one have need of a lawyer, give us a shout at 304-250-6017 or at www.newtaylorlaw.com. Let us see if we can help you on the law firm side of the house. And also, for those of you who may not know, I am also co-owner of a sports agency that's called New Legacy Sports. And we just recently opened a professional wrestling wing of that. We have done great work on behalf of such super superstars as Midnight Express and Jim Cornette, Shane Douglas, Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan, Joey Mercury, Kelly Klein, Sonny, the Rock and Roll Express and the Heat Seekers, among others. Uh, that wing of our sports agency just keeps growing. And right now we have uh, training for individuals who are trying to make it in the National Football League, Canadian Football League, or the XFL when The Rock gets it going. So if you need to get in touch with me, just give me a call at the office, 304-250-6017. Thank you guys so much. K-Fabe Radio. And we're back here on WWKRK Fabe Radio, the only radio station devoted solely to music about, for, and by professional wrestlers. I am your host, Rich Quick, broadcasting all the way from London to Lashmeet. And today's show is brought to you by the American Patriot Home Pregnancy Test. It's just an empty box, because you can't get pregnant if you don't take a test. Also, brought to you by Sulfur, the state smell of Florida. Better luck next year, Bass Salts. WWKR, Fabe Radio. I am your host, Rich Quick, and normally I don't take requests. I don't work for you. But when the owner of the radio station requests a song, well, then you jump like Van Halen, baby, right now. 
<laughs> you really got me, Steve Pino. All right, so this next song is just for you. From 1985's The Wrestling Album, this is the Junkyard Dog with Grab Them Cakes. Well, I started this dance in my neighborhood. Now everybody's doing it because it feels so good. All you need is a partner that know how to move. And the rest are real easy. Just dig the groove. And when you get yourself started, it's hard to stop. You just go for your partners. You know what? And then you G-R-A-B-T-A-G-M-C-A-K-E-S. Everyone wants to know why the ratings are in the shitter. So the ratings are down for all wrestling across the board in comparison to what it was in, say, the 90s or even the 2000s. And now we've got to think about the the it guys who made that possible, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, even Hulk Hogan. There were so many different people made their era so who is going to make this next era to save wrestling? That is the question that I have for you today. I'm going to start with you, Stephen P. New. There are a lot of names we could talk about today. My it guy, and I don't know if he has star power like The Rock. I don't know if in this environment he's going to be free to develop a character a la Stone Cold. The it guy that I see right now is Damian Priest. Really? Yes. Damian Priest, to me, encapsulates a lot of what I think that it would take to be a top guy this point moving forward. I don't know whether he gets... Because, see, here's the thing. I don't think wrestling, in its current configuration, gets back to 80s, 90s level ratings. There's so much different content out there, and we could have an entire show about... Will wrestling ever recapture uh, the glory of the Attitude Era or the territories at their height, that kind of thing? But for my money right now, I think Damian Priest encapsulates all in one the uh, Hispanic sort of angle. He's got a biker-type gimmick and look. 
he can go in the ring and I don't know if you match him with a manager exactly. Uh, he's pretty good on the mic already. And to me, he just oozes charisma. I think Damian Priest is a reason why the Andradas and some of the other Hispanic guys aren't getting pushed or were released or whatever. So my it guy right now is Damian Priest. Uh, I think he's got some crossover appeal. I think he's got some movie-type appeal, and I could see him being the next Batista-type guy to get a push from WWE. Well, you know, there's a lot of people saying that. I know Jim Cornette is very high on Mr. Damian Priest as well, and I think that he does have all the tools to get that accomplished. The question is, will he, or more so, will they let him? Um, Rich Quick, you've got a guy in mind, I'm sure. Who who do you think your it guy is? Who's the guy who could probably take this back to a level? Well, I try not to die on any hill like this because more more so who it's going to be this this whole conversation is nothing but a list of disappointments a <laughs> list of people and wrestlers who should have by all accounts and purposes should have been a huge star but for some reason or another they just never did like i would have bet this is going to be a bit now i would bet my solid gold house and rocket car that <laughs> pete i made the prediction years ago after the first uh, NXT UK tournament that Pete Dunne would be like the, the, the next Triple H. I thought he was going to be a mega, mega, mega star. And it just never happened. I mean, but he still could be, right? He still could be. He still could be. But like everybody that comes through NXT, you know, it's like, oh, is it going to be this person? Nope. Is it going to be, is it going to be carrying cross? Hey, at one time, not? at one time, I thought Bo Dallas was going to be the man on the main roster. I thought for yeah. sure he was going to be the man on the roster. You believed, didn't you? I, man, I believed so fucking hard. Stephen P knew you would not believe how I still hard believe. I believe. I still believe. I still believe. One, yeah. One day, baby, it'll come back. Well, you know, we don't have to die on any certain hill here today. We can right. actually bring up a lot of names. Like you said, we're, we're going to make a list. And this list is either going to be the list where they're like, oh, House of Kayfabe called it a long time ago that this guy was going to be a big star. Or they're going to be like, oh, here's a big list of disappointments. So either way, we're going to make a list. And uh, and obviously, Damon, Damian Priest is on that list. I, I agree that uh, he has all the tools to make something happen. And no, I agree as well. I agree. Uh, I, I I like his old name better than Damian Priest. Oh, me too. Damian Priest sounds like a creator wrestler name that I would have come up with in the eighth grade. You know <laughs> what does. I mean? It uh, does sound like one of the guys that you created on No Mercy back in the day. I, I yeah. remember. Punishment I think you, Martinez is so much better. Yes. So. <laughs> Punishment Martinez is a better name. You know what? Here's a guy that I think has every single tool to be the it guy and he's got a really crappy name now too but eli drake also known now as la knight which sounds like a tennis shoe of some sort but either way this guy has the it factor i believe you have been a huge fan of his forever forever ever and ever and ever and ever you have been preaching eli drake for many many years yes and and i never it wasn't until uh, NWA power that I actually got into Eli Drake. Same here. And yeah. And he's phenomenal. 
So I hope, I hope he is a perfect mixture between The Rock yes. and Stone Cold. He really but is. Let me play devil's advocate. How big is Eli Drake? Eli Drake is not as big as you probably want him to be. I would say well, that. Not I, because I like guys Eli Drake's size. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, you look, know, he's building six look two years at that six six one six two wrestler who could go the Bret Hart's, the Roddy Pipers, the the guys in that Rick Flair's six one six two. Um, well, they're saying six one six two for this guy. Probably a couple of inches shorter than no, that. No, he's billed as six one. It says height six one six two right okay. here. I, I'm looking. Uh, all at right, McMahon likes the monsters, right? You know. So my my only caveat, playing devil's advocate, there is: Will a guy like e- Eli Drake, who's six one, who can talk his ass off, get the push he deserves from a company like WWE? But I'm just glad he's making a bunch of money right now, to be quite honest with you. I'll tell you somebody that I thought was going to be, you know, the the greatest wrestler alive, uh, Austin Aries. I thought when he got to the WWE, it was it was a done deal. Like, this guy's going to be top of the card in no time. And he kind of has that Eli Drake, you know, greatness about him. And WWE screwed that up. Or maybe he screwed that up. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think that, uh, you know, Austin Aries is probably a very unlikable person. You think so? You know, so if we've all worked with people that we don't want to work with and, you know, wrestling is not a democracy, but I think if enough people go, hey, this guy's an asshole, he doesn't need to be around. If enough people say that to the right people eventually you won't be there anymore. I really don't want to believe that, though. It's like I really want to believe that Austin Aries is just awesome in every way. I just, I I don't know. I hate that. (laughs) Have you read, have you seen his tweets? Do you know what kind of crazy Uh, person he is? I do. I do. I try to ignore it though. And still really hold him high on my list of wrestlers that I enjoy, but I don't know. It's hard to do that anymore. See, I thought Andrade was going to be a huge star. I still think he's going to be a huge star. I hope so. I believe he's going to AEW, and I think he's going to be a, a huge star. I mean, because the guy is so talented. Like you said, he's got the tools. Yeah, they need to get him a mouthpiece. They they absolutely well, they're going to have to. There happens have to, someone speak. Well, there them. happens to be somebody else who needs a job who can speak perfectly for him. I agree. Yeah, I mean, she she needs to come along as the package. It needs to be a whole deal there in AEW. Ah. Uh. Zalina Vega is, I mean, mm-hmm. that's who you need. So, yeah, and well, I don't know if it was Rich Quick or, or you, Reznor, that said Carrying Cross, Killer Cross, whatever you want to call him, Scarlet Bordeaux. Right. I, I don't know whether it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Either Carrying Cross is going to be the next big thing, or he's going to be. Rusev or Mark Marrow, all right? Because I'll guarantee you that behind the scenes, Vince McMahon loves him some Scarlet Bordeaux. Oh yeah, guaranteed. Oh yeah. She she is she looks like she was custom built for Vince McMahon and his picadillos for women. Uh will that be enough to sustain Cross? 
get cross big time over or you know is that another mark marrow is that another uh miro uh who knows at this point is there still time for tomaso champa to be the it guy for the next you know pull of wrestling fans not with his current haircut no <laughs> the haircut doesn't do it for you huh no it it, it, it makes me it like it makes me feel like uh, somebody should call the authorities for elder abuse. Like, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's, but he's, he's awesome. And I love him. I wish he would have, but you know, if, if I understand correctly, he chose, I mean, he had said, I don't want to move up to the main roster. I want to be the NXT guy. We know let's, let's, let's turn pages here for a second because technically Kenny Omega still has the complete opportunity to become a mega household name and and be the it guy right in certain circles i could see where that would be a valid argument well right now in certain circles but i mean you know aew could you know go mainstream we could see more you know more fans pile in and we could uh, we could see some big things out of aew in the next you know five to ten years and maybe yeah, like 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 a Brandy and Cody TV show, and then a, probably a Brandy and Cody serial, and then a Brandy and Cody, like, I mean, the, the, the possibilities for Brandy and Cody's career are endless. <laughs> so I think, I think the better choice from AEW, who is going to be more mainstream, is going to be Cody Rhodes. I think he has a better opportunity to be a household name than Kenny Omega. Well, he's definitely going to become a household name. I mean, he's on, you know, he's on national television shows. So, you know, Cody is definitely, I mean, people are saying the same thing you're saying about Cody. In my opinion, Cody is doing everything he can to monetize exactly what he is and his situation. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with what Cody's doing. Cody has an opportunity that anybody would take. I, I agree completely. I'm not downing Cody for trying to better his, his station in life. I'm just saying if it's, you know. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I don't mind Cody. I think it's just I don't like Brandy. <laughs> you just don't like her. I, I read an interesting theory today that Khan was going to use, somehow use impact and use what Kenny Omega is doing to override the stipulation and get the belt off of Omega. I have not heard that. And, and and then have Cody challenge for it. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, yeah he. Uh, is, yeah, that is a way to get around it. If you're like, please, Cody, come help take my championship back. And, and that was mentioned in something, um, and I, I think I posted it on Resner's page, House of Kayfabe page, somebody today, where I mentioned on that show whose name will not be mentioned many years ago. When we thought we were going to get the wrestling boom, it ties into the interesting point that you mentioned. I really honestly, goodness, thought about three years ago when Reznor was calling AEW a t-shirt company because they hadn't wrestled the first match. All they'd done was sold Derek Jones and those ilk t-shirts. <laughs> but I thought that NWA, ROH, AEW, Impact, New Japan, would come together in some conglomeration, some formulation, and really challenge WWE's market share. Uh, 
it will be interesting to see if that happens. Um, who comes out of that? Uh, Aldous tweeted this week that he's backed the NWA, you know, and because people were saying, why don't you go to AEW and defend the NWA World Championship? And, you know, he sounded like he was a little down on the fact that Thunder Rosa had done that and things like that. But there may be a way moving forward when live crowds are reintroduced, things like that, for these companies to cut into WWE's market share. Um, And some person, whether it be Omega, Cody, MJF, or some Hangman Adam Page, you know, all four of those guys, in my opinion, have the potential of coming out of an AEW boom as the it guy. And obviously, Cody's positioned himself with the reality shows and the game shows and the, you know, celebrity crossovers and things like that. But to be in the best position to do that, that's not to say those other guys couldn't. Yeah, I totally agree, MJF and Adam Page. And it's funny you brought up Nick Aldis because Nick Aldis is our guest on the next episode of House of Kayfabe. That'll be episode seven. We have Nick Aldis in the building, and he is going to be talking to uh, me and Stephen P. New. And we'll, uh, we'll also have a second part of that on episode eight. So those are coming up right here on the House of Kayfabe. So back to our topic, though, MJF, Adam Page, definitely great people to bring up because they have what it takes to be the next it guy. And like you said, if there's an AEW boom, these guys are going to be on top of the business. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that Jericho, or I'm sorry, not Jericho, uh, MJF, how, how dare I? Uh, I don't, I love MJF. I think MJF has the potential to be a very big star. I don't know that he can be the top, top guy, but I think that he will be somebody like a Jericho, I kind of, or like a Miz kind of, but better. But uh, somebody who's around for a long time. I can see MJF having a 25-year career. You know what? If somebody was smart in one of these big companies, they'd put a Hispanic stable together and let Selena De La Renta be the face and the mouthpiece of it. Because, guys, you, you all follow politics like I do. I think that market from 2020 to 2030 – I think that market is going to grow. I think the Hispanic market in the United States, wrestling down in Mexico and other Spanish-speaking nations, is is a potential for a growth market. If somebody was smart, they'd get a Selena De La Renta, even more so, in my opinion, than Selena Vega, and, and I love her too. But, man, that young lady is talented. She can talk. Um you know, and and kind of in a role like Conan has had for such a long time amongst those Spanish-speaking wrestlers, when the borders open back up and travel is easier and things like that, a company like an AEW, even more so than MLW, have the potential. Put that young lady on TV every week. You'll see a ratings boom. I guarantee you. Well, that you bring up a good point that we hadn't discussed until just now. There are, there are potentially women that could be the, like, because, I mean, before she got pregnant, Becky Lynch was the hottest thing in WWE. She was a bigger star than any of the guys. That's true. And she could have been somebody. Yeah. And so Becky Lynch and Charlotte could, could be like the it 
uh, you know, person, you know, to, but, but I really believe that Becky Lynch could have was, was on the road. Oh, I feel like Becky like, was totally on the road with biscuit wheels. I do think that Charlotte, uh, if she was going to be the it factor to bring fans back to wrestling, she would have already done it. There are two names that we haven't mentioned, and there are two names that are that are thrown around a little bit as, as people who may have the tools to be the it factor in wrestling, and they happen to be signed to Impact Wrestling. I'm talking about Chris Bay, and I'm talking about Ace Austin. Both of these guys are absolutely incredible, and they have the look. They have the the gift of gab. They have everything that they need to be major players in the professional wrestling industry. Are you guys familiar with either one of these guys? Yes. Do you agree with what I just said? As Kevin Nash once said about Van Hammer, he's money. (laughs) Van Hammer, you know, he could have been money. He could have. (laughs) <laughs> you, you and Big Sexy, they, you, you, Big Sexy would have bet money that Van Hammer was money. So, uh, I see what you're saying. They're going to need a bigger platform than Impact. They're not going to be able to do it from Impact. But if they sign with one of the big boys, I don't know if AEW AEW is going to need a couple more shows. And I don't think just streaming shows or YouTube shows either. I think they're going to need a couple more broadcast shows in order to feature some of this. At some point, they're going to get a glut of talent. WWE has a glut of talent right now. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see where guys like what you're talking about from a second or third tier promotion like Impact, uh, where a guy like Ace Austin is able to go to showcase his talent. Well, I would like to see Ace Austin, you know, really benefit from this this pairing between Impact and AEW. I, we haven't heard his name yet, and we haven't seen anything happen yet with that. But I would I would love to see that happen. Um, it could easily happen for Chris Bay as well. But I think the WWE would pick up either one of these guys uh, in, if the opportunity was right as well. Eventually, someone posted something on Twitter the other day, and it was a poster from ROH from two thousand nine, and it had. Kevin Steen and Sami Zayn and uh, Brian Danielson, Brian Danielson and Cesaro, uh, Seth Rollins and a couple of other guys. And honest to goodness, WWE's fast lane pay per view looked like it could have been an ROH pay per view from two thousand nine. So you know, maybe give those guys a few years, and uh, you know, maybe they're headlining something. It's very, very possible. Well, let me bring up a name who uh, I believe now it's not a possibility, but several years ago, this man could have been the face of your company for years, and that is Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal had a lot of potential. And really, I mean, we say had a lot of potential. He was the ROH world champion forever. So, I mean, he did he did achieve a lot in his career, but I would have loved to have seen him go to the WWE. I would have loved to have seen him gone to WWE instead of ROH when he left TNA. I think he was really hot in TNA. I think if he goes to WWE right then, I think he's got an AJ Styles-type run in him at the WWE. Do you, you don't think that he, the biggest part of his career, though, was his ROH career? I mean, because I loved him in TNA, too, but ROH, I mean, he did so much in ROH to, to get himself over as a character. Well, he was no black machismo. 
that was a really, really awesome part of his career as well. But I still think ROH gave him the uh, the, the real serious I'm not tip saying of the that I don't like the the ROH run. And goodness knows my current clientele notwithstanding, Jay Lethal's had a heck of a great ROH run. That being said, that ROH run has not been what AJ Styles has done since he came to WWE, and he came to WWE from TNA late. Can you really uh, compare anybody to AJ Styles, though? I mean, AJ Styles is like, he's just on a level all to himself. I don't think that anybody can really be compared to AJ Styles. Unless you're talking. Jay Lethal could have an AJ Styles-esque run. I could have seen Jay Lethal winning the U.S. Championship a few times, winning the Intercontinental Championship a couple of times, being a tag champion a couple of times, and having a decent WWE run, making a whole lot more money up there than his ROH championship or his ROH run. Or what do you just got lost in the mix? That's possible too. Oh. It's it's yeah, like well, a roll it's like a roll of the dice when you get a job with the WWE. Like you you could you know you could have a run like you just described, or you could not. You could have some ridiculous gimmick and like I mean Wouldn't you guys have thought that Ricochet, as hot as he got for a while there, was gonna have a just a fantastic run and that we would be in the midst of of a wonderful run by Ricochet by now. I totally think we should have. And you know, I have a theory on that. I believe the WWE wanted Ricochet and, uh, and will they wanted both of them, just like they got Nakamura and AJ. They wanted both of them and they couldn't get both of them. They only got one and it just kind of took the steam out of, uh, of what they were trying to do, I believe. And, and now they just don't know what to do with Ricochet, but how do you not figure out something to do with Ricochet? I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I think, you know, like a lot of the smaller guys got lumped in with cruiserweights, and we as WWE fans have been conditioned that cruiserweights don't really matter, you know? So you don't – so, oh, you're a cruiserweight, which all scenarios. He became cruiserweight champ, okay, but he's the cruiserweight champ. He's he should be the world champ, but he's yeah. a cruiserweight champ. So Definitely. I'll also bring up another name that we have not mentioned because wrestling fans don't like to mention his name, but he is arguably the biggest star in WWE right now, and that's Roman Reigns. Definitely. He definitely is. He he's a bigger star, not only just period, but he's a bigger star to me. And I never did I never disliked the guy. I, I, I will always say that I never once was like, I can't stand Roman Reigns. A lot of fans were like that. I wasn't. But I wasn't a fan of his. Now I'm a fan, like a, a serious fan of his. I watch SmackDown religiously every week when it when it airs. Most things I watch mm, sometime during the weekend. But this I watch when it airs because I always want to see what Roman Reigns is going to do. I, I, I'm a fan. Why won't Vince just... Take the collars, take the leashes off these guys and let them see what they can do. Just that don't script all of it. Don't script all the promos. You know why you like Roman Reigns right now? It's because this is organic. There That there is some element of reality to it. I'll guarantee you Roman Reigns believes that he's the head of the Samoan table right now. I'll... I guarantee you that he, in his mind, 
believes that, and it's it's believable. This with Roman Reigns right now is organic, and I don't know why the WWE can't let more stuff just develop organically. I agree to an extent. I don't think it should be as organic as AEW is because it seems like everybody's doing whatever they want and it doesn't always mesh. But you, know, I, you, you need a booker and you need some backstage talent talking to these guys in their ears, telling them right from wrong what to do. Uh, and you need some good training. Um, but I mean, if you don't believe that, that stuff's important, look at all the people that came out of Jim Cornette's OVW. Right. All of them. That that it's like the the class of you know Hall of Famers, basically. Sure. So before we get out of here and and head on to the Ricky Morton interview, what is if you're going to put your money on one guy, you're putting your money on one guy. He's the it guy. He's the guy who's going to save wrestling. Who is the guy? Rich Quick. Uh, right now, I'm going to say Becky Lynch. <laughs> Becky Lynch is going to come back and be the guy. Yes. All right. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so Stephen P. New, who is the it factor? Who is going to save wrestling? Maxwell Jacob Friedman. You know, I I thought I was going to be the only one to say it, but I'm going to be in total agreement with you. MJF is my pick for the it factor. And if that is correct, and we are correct, and that means that not only will he save wrestling, but he will take AEW to another level. And that's, uh, that's a pretty awesome thing. Well, let's hope it happens. I'm all for that. In agreement, for sure. We'll be right back with our interview or second part of this two-part interview with Ricky Morton coming up next on House of Kayfabe. At the law office of Stephen New, we take a team approach to your case. Our staff and paralegals are excellent and will assist you through every step of your case. We employ world-class experts to make sure that your case is developed to its maximum value. When you seek legal counsel, choose Stephen New and his team. They'll work together to achieve the best results for your case and support you every step of the way. Our clients, why we do what we do to law office of Stephen Hey, Let me tell you another good story. And uh, good like this. <laughs> now, when Robert got hurt, okay, we were in Knoxville, Tennessee, and this is and, and and this is one thing Rick Flair always told me. He said, "Brother, you're the most stand-upest guy I ever seen in my damn life." We were in Knoxville, Tennessee. I walk in, and Robert's sitting over in the corner in the dressing room, and he's not talking. He's not moving. I walk over. I said, "What's happening?" Who? He goes, "Oh, I got hurt last night." You got hurt, and I'm thinking to myself, "Fuck, you never got in the ring." <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, but so uh, I went back, sat down, and everybody come out of the dressing room. I went back over to him. I said, "Rubber, what happened to you?" He pulled his pants down, and his leg was as black and blue as it looked horrible. And I told him, I said, man, what happened to you? He said, my wife ran over me in the car. Jesus. Holy shit. But, <laughs> but I told him, I says, Robert, listen to me. Get dressed. Go back here in this room and how long it took. We're, we're not on the next to last. Get dressed. And, uh, and he got his ass dressed. And I told him, boy, he can barely walk. I said, now listen, doom. We were Mitch Rude and Ron Simmons. I said, they're going to the ring first. 
Now, when they play our music, I'm going to shoot out this curtain. I'm going to go around this side up on that balcony, boom, boom, and get them people. And if you have to, crawl your ass through the ring and get up on the side of the rope. All right? And I says, when I get in there and I tag you, come in and just fall in the ring. Now, see, this is when WCW owned it. And you corporate business, you understand? We wasn't on contracts. But it was. But, boy, I come out, I got them people going on to that, and I see Robert over there, and I get to the ring. Butch Reed goes, God damn, I wish you get in this ring, man. <laughs> we could have not had our match. But I'm just going on. They ain't said nothing. And this is the part about mind over matter. I uh, started to match up. Boy, we got the people going like crazy, blah, 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 boom, and and I reached over and tagged Robert, and Robert fell through the ropes. And right when he fell, I went, damn, did you hear his knee pop? Yes. Well, look here, buddy. And I told him, I said, you lay there until somebody comes and gets you. And they did that. Now, I think the ambulance even come and got him. You know, they put him on the thing, got him in the back. The ambulance come and got him. Listen, <laughs> boy, now boys, I want the short end of that stick because uh, <laughs> look here. They sent him to the University of Alabama to that knee doctor there that was with the University of Alabama. It reconstructed his whole leg. He was out for a year and they paid him $2,000 a week. Mm. All right. That was the point now where they wanted Brad Armstrong or me turn heel, so I turned heel. Now, All I, right, now, go ahead. I was going to say, I definitely want to talk about uh, your time in the York Foundation here in just a second, but one quick question I wanted to throw out there is, you know, you guys were in Jim Cornette, or you, not Jim Cornette, you, you guys were in Jim Crockett Promotions, and you joined an incredible tag division. Now, of course, the Midnight Express were there, but you had other people, you know, in this tag oh, division like Doom, the Andersons, Rick Rudin, Manny Fernandez, the Koloffs, the New Breed. What team do you believe? Yeah, what team do you believe you had the best matches with besides Midnight? Didn't come to later on, and that was with WCW. Right. No, but uh, see, that was what I was telling you. My dad told me. He said, tag team wrestling's going to start happening. And, guys, uh, Ivan Koloff and Crush with Khrushchev. See, it takes somebody to get you over to work with the Midnight Express. And at that time in 1985, you know, we're having conflict in the United States is with Russia. And Dusty's smart as hell, dude. You know, he, he's talking to them uh, – them people up there in West Virginia with no jobs, you know, they, they done closed all them factories down. He's talking to them, but he knows that the Russians, Bob and me and Robert are all American kids. See, that was their job is to get me and Robert over. What? And then they get us over. Then the Midnight Express, we're the babyface team. And finally, when the run's over, we broke every record you could ever imagine with the Midnight Express. Uh, dude, I mean, you just could not. It's really hard to even explain it because most of the time, people, it's like people want me to tell them stories. I said, if I do, you won't even believe it. Uh, to understand that every night, and I, and, that's, and, I, and I got this phrase a long time ago, them hanging off of the rafters. 
And the reason why that was is back then you didn't have uh, a limit in the buildings. You didn't have all the fire people coming down telling his teammate. You remember they had they didn't have the new buildings. They had them big steel beams on the ceilings. I swear they'd be sitting on top of them up there. <laughs> and that's where I got the phrase off. Damn, they're hanging from the rafters. You know, and, and it was. Gosh, man, that's what if people didn't get killed and stuff to see uh, all the things. Uh, Ricky, one of the things I think all you got to do is look at those cards. You know, everybody, even a modern wrestling fan that wasn't around back then watching it like I was, can understand who's in the main event. This is tag team wrestling main eventing Big-time cards. I mean, great cards. And you oh. got a tag team match. It may or may not even be for the world tag team titles, but you got a tag team match that's the main event or the co-main oh, yes. event, and that oh, meant yes. money for you guys. Yeah, but see, all the tag teams going through, it was good. We was in a great position. Yeah. See, you had the Russians. And then, see, the Russians uh, got us ready for the four horsemen. And then, you know, you see, I know well, the Russians got us ready for the Midnight Express. We had our big run with the Midnight Express, but then it was time to go off with the full horsemen. Right. You know, and, and, and nobody left because another tag team went off with the Midnight Express to get them ready to wrestle somebody else, too. Everything went in a circle. It, it all worked. So it was just... Unbelievable. Sometimes, man, it blows my mind to see and think back of the crowds and the, and the ring psychology that people had. My God. Jimmy Cornette, he had, you know, I watched Jimmy get his ass beat so many times he learned to fight. <laughs> I ain't shitting <laughs> you. I mean, he, <laughs> he's outside that ring and he, he, he had raised that tennis racket up and 20 people hit him. <laughs> and now, uh, uh, oh, and I'm not shitting you. I mean, I see them jump off the damn rest, the bleachers and the balconies on them, and and uh, and then as you know, in, in Louisiana, that's where Bill Watts changed everything. You had to be there at seven o'clock. Matches started at eight, but nobody could leave until the matches are over. And the reason was because the damn marks would come into ring, and you had to have the boys out there to get them out of the ring. And that was every night. I, I remember we had a hell of a feud going on with them. In Lusa, we were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, downtown in the big Superplex. And uh, they came back and, and gave me a finish where they're going to row me up and Cornette's gonna, I'm going to row Bobby up and Cornette's going to come in the ring and hit me in back the head with the shoe. Right? And, uh, and I told Robert, Ernie Lads one gave me a finish because she didn't talk over your matches then you had you're on different sides of the field and Ernie Ladd gave me the finish and I told Robert I said hey Robert I said tonight instead of waiting to all these people get out let's go ahead and put our bags and stuff in the car and when our match is over let's go out this back door and and leave because I knew what was going to happen when Jimmy Cornette hit me in the back of the head that shoe all hell broke loose Everybody's fighting. Everybody, the baby faces, the heels are trying to get everybody out. And me and Robert eased out that back door and got my car. 
and left. And when I did, the police come in and wrestle, wrestle arrested every wrestler in the back to go oh, to jail for inciting a riot. <laughs> and, hey, man, Robert was gone. You, uh, oh, yeah, so you didn't go to jail? Hell no, man. We went right out that back door in our car and gone. <laughs> <laughs> Escaped. <laughs> they rested Ernie Ladd, the Midnight Rested Pee Wee, the damn referee. So, uh, oh, that was a hell of a fight. I mean, they threw it out of court because you, police has got to do something. Hell, you got 500, I mean, not that many, but what I'm trying to say is you got 60 people fighting around that ring, man. Right. Hitting, throwing shit. Uh, unbelievable. All right, so I got a question for you. You got uh, you got this hot scene. These crowds are huge. You're making money. The, I mean, the, the towns are making money. Everything is, is awesome. And what happens in 1988? Why, why did you leave Jim Crockett with everything's on fire like that? I got, uh, it was one of them FU fights with Dusty. So how does how do one of those go? Huh? How, how does an FU fight with Dusty go? Well, Dusty got mad at me, and uh, I was fixing to do a thing with the Matter of fact, the Bushwhackers, the sheep herders, they were going to cut my hair on TV. And I'm listening to it, and I'm, you know, buddy, ain't my first rodeo. I know what's going on. I ain't going to do that. I'm not going to do it that way. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, now, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'll... I, I, I love the sheep herders and everything, but uh, Jimmy Cornette can cut my hair. <laughs> okay? Right. Uh, or the four horsemen can cut my hair. Not the sheep herders. You hear what I'm saying? Needs to be a main and, event and, situation. And it's not being mean. I knew where it was going. Okay? And it, and to cut my, my hair at that time... Uh, you see, it's, it's, it's not the right people for the heat. I can, right? I can see and, that. Oh, yes. and uh, But let me tell you, though, when they fired us the three months later, there wasn't NWA no more. Did you know that? Yeah, they went to WCW at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. Jimmy Crockett was 14 to $15 million <clears throat> in the hole. So, so uh, when you left uh, Jim Crockett, you end up going to Japan after this. Was that the first time you've been out of the country? When I, uh, yeah, really, uh, you know, me and Robert started going there, but see in between that, uh, you know, hell one year I went to Japan 18 times in one year that was for FMW. And the reason I did that Halabusa was the biggest baby face over there. I don't know if you know him or not. I mean, he yeah. broke his neck, but I'm working with Terry Funk over there in a single match and I sewed. And the people are screaming, ricochet, boom, and Terry Funk was, you know, I'm selling for him. I was bleeding, and I did this right here. When, when I come back, they couldn't wait to team me up with Halabusa because Halabusa has done everything, and he was looking for a partner, and I was the perfect one to sell and give him a hot tag. And gosh, it, it went from there. Now, and I was going to tell you something. It, it, somebody could. <laughs> text me the other day and told me that Jim Crockett wanted a public apology <laughs> from me. For uh, what? Because I told, look, because he robbed us of our money. You, I, you know what? It's my own fault because I wasn't educated enough to know. See, at that time, I didn't even know 
that the Road Warriors and the Midnight Express had a $250,000 a year contract. I never signed a contract. My biggest year ever in a business was in 1985, and I made 125000 We did a rock and roll uh, surprise, you know, rock and roll package fan club. I made a record. Uh, you know, most records, you know, you had to post to the record. That, you know, a lot of records that people make, you know, you have, they go platinum, gold, and silver. Mine went plywood. Plywood <laughs> 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 no. single. But it sold over a million. Nice. It was 1995. So y'all got to stop and think. That's $19 million at the least. I didn't get paid one dime for that. Where can I find that music at? Is it online? Boogie Woogie Dance Hall, baby. Boogie All Woogie right. Dance Hall. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, it went plywood. <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, Robert and I were over. You had the lopsized poster and all. Man, it was some of the greatest uh, times and things ever, man. I, I absolutely. Uh, but and he wanted me to apologize to him and apologize my ass. Uh that's crazy. <laughs> I go. We're going on a podcast and talk about it if you want to. <laughs> now they can, they, yeah, you can come on this podcast and talk to Ricky yeah. if you'd like to. But uh, while yeah. we're still talking about Japan, because I don't hear you talk about Japan a whole lot, how was the Japanese response to the Rock and Roll Express? Uh, it was uh, great. You know, you, can I tell you a good story? Japan, I would love for you to. Me and Robert was over, but at the time, they had a – you know, because they copy the stuff from New York. They had their own Rock and Roll Express team. They were called Footloose. Okay? And uh, I don't know if y'all guys can see me or not. No. But it was it was Footloose. So we go there. We go there for a month. And uh, I knew that we was going to work with them. And see, that's the way you learn how to work. You watch the guys' matches and you know what they do and what they don't do. And they're wrestling about two weeks in the thing. They come to us. And there, I got to I got to see them, and I. They told us to go thirty minute time limit, and I can't speak Japanese, and I can't speak English. <laughs> so I go to them and I asked them, I says, "Any hot spots you want to do?" And boy, they looked at me like an arrogant son of a bitch, and goes, "We do no hot spot." Yeah, I turned his back and walked off. I says, "All right, whatever you think," but. See, sometimes you can't judge a book by its cover, okay? So we go to the ring. They step in the ring, born up, and the Japanese people are responded to us. And one of them walked straight over to Robert Gibson and hauled off an open hand, slapped Robert right upside the head. Bam! And like, in, in about 30 seconds, Robert had him tied up in the rope. He looked like Elephant Man. Robert done beat the living piss out of him. Robert Gibson's tough. You hear me? He's a tough guy. Uh, I mean, boom, but boom. He rolls out, and his partner grabs him and pulls him by the leg, and they run back to the dressing room. And I look at Robert. I said, damn, I, I guess we're fired from here. He goes, hell, we was looking for a job when we found this son of a bitch. <laughs> and he, he jumps right out of the ring. And I'm right behind him, and he goes into the Japanese dressing room where Baba and all of them are at. You don't do that. He walks right in that dressing room and footballs that guy right in the face in a chair, and he flips over. 
they pull us apart, get me and Robert back over there and in our dressing room, we get on the bus and I'm going, Holy shit, and ain't nothing said. Uh but the next day we're pull you know, we're on the bus, the American bus, and, and we're pulling up to the building and I see the two footloose guys standing there waiting for us. And I told Robert, I says, Hey uh, them two guys are waiting on us right there. Oh boy, boy, we jumped up, we're standing at the door. We we pulled that part and that door opened up. Me and Robert flew off that bus. And I, me trying to explain to you is these two guys are standing still like statues with their hands down by the side, bowing, going, Tonight we do very, very many hot spots. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and we had two more weeks left on the tour and they picked our bags up and carried them in the dressing room. Wow. And we set them down. See, now they they respected us now. They didn't think, no, Robert, I beat the shit out of one of them. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, hey, and I'm talking quick, too, buddy. Bop, 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 you know? Yeah. Uh, that was uh, one <laughs> that's funny as hell. But that's when you get your respect in Japan. But I love Japan. It's the most cleanest, well-respected country I've ever been into in my life. Wow. Guys, I love the United States of America, but it's the most crooked, corrupt son of a bitch I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm not a politician. Well, Japan, I, I love it. They respect you. Uh, you know, you don't even see, you know, people, you don't even see a trash can in Japan. You know, people carry, walk, carry a little paper sack with them to put their shit in. You know, when they're walking downtown or something, they don't throw nothing in the trash. They don't put them in trash cans. I don't know where the hell they tell you. I guess they take it home. But, uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Well, before we get out of the 80s, I got one just random question for you before we go into the 90s. And I, I, my question is, Todd Morton, was he your legit cousin? And, and why didn't he make a bigger name for himself in professional wrestling? <laughs> no, buddy. It was, it was just a guy out of Memphis. You know, Hilly... You know, he wasn't, he just said Memphis. Okay. You know, he did good for what he did, uh, but he didn't, you know, he was a little guy. But I was a good worker, just a different time, different place. You know, it was somebody that Bill Dundee, he looked like me, and Bill Dundee called him Todd Morton. Oh, okay. And it, and, and it was all right for me. Compliment to me. All right, so in, in 1990, Jim Crockett Promotions had become WCW, and you and Robert found yourself back there, and a uh, leg injury, which, of course, was uh, Robert getting ran over by his wife, uh, keeps him yeah. on the shelf. Now, this throws you into a trio with Junkyard Dog and Thomas Rich. Not ideal, of course, without the Rock and Roll Express, but you did have the short-lived WCW six-man tag titles, and you were actually the first and last team to win those titles. But what was really interesting was the second run with the belts, because Alexander York invited you to join the York Foundation, and for the first time in your career, you were a heel. How did you feel to be working as a heel and to be without Robert Gibson for the first time in your career? Uh, it was a great experience. The reason why I wanted to learn how to work heel, because I never worked heel before in my life. Uh, I had Terry Taylor as a partner. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know Terry. Terry's absolutely wonderful worker. Great. He's See, and, and being a tag team partner with somebody, you're on the road with them all the time. You have to, it, it, it's like me and Robert, we got along good together. If we didn't get along good together, we wouldn't have gotten, Terry was great to be on the road with. Uh, even Terry Reynolds, they was great to be on the road with. They were fun. Uh, 
And no, and Terry's hilarious. I mean, God, we, I, I remember one time we were wrestling two guys and, uh, it was Todd champion and, uh, and Chip the firebreaker. Yeah. They the were, Patriot. They were horrible, horrible. And, uh, <laughs> Todd, Todd slammed me so hard. And I told him I got up. I said, tag Chip in. I said, damn, a little bit harder. I go plump through the ring. And then Chip come in and he hit me so hard. Uh, and I, it's, it's like five people went out. And I, and I hauled off and hit the one in the middle. And then I turned around. Terry comes over. He goes, you all right? I said, yeah. I said, but these son of bitches are killing me. I hauled off and hit Terry. Me and Terry had a match for like 10 minutes. And Todd and 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 Chip are watching in the corner. And I rode Terry up and beat him one, two, three. <laughs> and we went back to the dressing room with Ter- Alexander York. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Well, I got back to back, and Grizzly Smith was the agent. He says, what happened? I said, you go out and work with them two son of a bitches. They're about to kill me. And he just laughed and never heard nothing. He, he didn't go stooges off to the office or nothing. Oh. He, I guess he knew. And, but, but, you know, and, and when my run was up with the York Foundation, if, and if you guys uh, really know this, I wrestled Robert at pay-per-view in Washington, D.C. with Terry and I beat him and Robert left and about two weeks later I joined him and smoked him out. <laughs> well, why did WCW not reunite the Rock and Roll Express since we're talking about that? Why, why didn't they do since that? we're talking about that, okay, this is when you got Mutt and Jeff running the business. When you have Eric Bischoff trying to push yourself, you got Kevin. I love Kevin Nash. I love Scott Hall. Uh, the money was there. Why not take it? You know, them guys were making $5 million a year. Do you understand that? You know, I, and I went to ask them before. I said, man, I'd like to get a contract. We don't have the money to give you a contract. Two weeks later, Bret Hart come in at $11 million. Kiss yeah. my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but I was tired of that. Uh, I was tired of just, I was just tired of being tired. And then I went to Smoky Mountain with Jimmy Cornette. Uh, I think the best decision, but Jimmy did the same thing. You know, Jimmy fired my ass. And well, three months later, the, <laughs> the territory closed down. We're, we're called me back in, huh? We're moving through this part way too fast because I was a nine-year-old kid at this time. So this oh, was yeah, like the most important I, shit I in the world to me. fast because uh, I got to be somewhere in about 10 minutes. Oh, I understand. That's the reason why I'm not trying to be mean. Oh, I know. I know. I, I just, I love this time of your career. This part of your career was such a, a well, big listen, thing for dude, me. We have episodes. We got volumes one, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just... Uh, you know, with Smoky Mountain, God Almighty, if you guys ever want to see the greatest finish in the world, loser leave town, and, and this is set up through WWF at the time, uh, the heavily bodies uh, uh, that we had a loser leave town at Fire on the Mountain in Pikeville, Kentucky. Steve New, was you there? I was not. I was in law school at that time, Ricky. This was the greatest, greatest match Greatest finish of all time. Jimmy Cornette, I, I've got to head it to him, buddy. Because we have been to uh, WWF, 
And I forgot the we Survivor Series with the heavenly bodies, and we absolutely tore the house down. And then, but they were going there, but we was coming back. Nobody knew this, and uh, you know, everybody thought we got to have a loser leave town because the heavenly bodies are going there. But the people don't know it. But we're doing the angle like we're going to lose. You hear me? And it and it got over. Jimmy putting this together was was he was absolutely marvelous. But you got to watch the finish. Go back and watch his finish. That's where Jimmy got the thing when the, we won. The crowd was throwing babies in the air, and they was doing it's the damnedest thing. Uh, but he told the story so good, and that's what I liked about small territories like that. And, and you know what? We did good business there. Right. But there was something that happened there with me and Tracy Smothers, and, and uh, you know, I got the short end of the stick. Well, and that's the decision that none of us, we all regretted. Well, I know you've got to go soon, and I definitely want to fit in to these last two questions, if that's okay with you, sir. Go, go, buddy, go. All right, so I know know you are running a training center right now, and you are, uh, you know, training a lot of people like your son, Carrie, and and some others. and, And I just wanted to get your take on who do you predict is going to be the future of the business right now? You know, obviously you're looking at people and, and what they can do. Well, who do you think is going to be the future in the business, whether it be somebody who has a job or someone who doesn't or, or, or who? It's going to have to go back to people. You know what? And WWE is not ever going to get back until Hunter. And I'm serious. Stop and listen to me. Until Hunter and Vince McMahon get very back involved into everything that's doing. I'm talking about Hunter's got to get back in the rink. Right. Uh, I'm serious. Uh, you're going to have to get Hunter back in there. You're going to have to get talent back in there that knew how to carry the territory. If you watch W, I don't, listen, dude, I've been in this business for 46 years. I watch WWE, and when I don't know what the hell's going on, what do you think the fans are thinking? Right. Everybody or what do you alike. think somebody that's not watched wrestling in 10 years? Ricky, you've been in the business 46 years. Yes, I've that's been a what I'm saying. Fan Steve. This year, 40. Brian, since he was a young kid. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, now imagine somebody's not watched a match in eight or 10 years and they just decide on a whim. They're flipping through the channels and they stop on the USA Network on a Monday night. That don't look nothing like COVID be damned. It doesn't look anything like what they remember pro wrestling being. Hey, I, buddy. And that's the reason their ratings are so low. I mean, you got to look now. You got Fox. They come on Fox every uh, Friday night. I think Fox gave Vince McMahon a billion dollars. Well, hell, if I had a billion dollars, I wouldn't be there either. But, but you got to get a hold of the... Other wrestling basis again. You know, Hunter knows how to draw money. You got to get Hunter back in there. Uh, you got to get on it. You know, and it's one thing. They got to get into personal angles. One, one great angle will be with Vince. You know, his Vince is very strict. He's very demanding. You got to, you know, and I'm not, you know, not being me because I'm 64 years old, but you got to have somebody to come in there to stand up to Vince. I don't walk on the crackers. I'm not doing Make it a personal issue. You know, and Vince is talking about how much money he got, and if this guy wins so-and-so, he gets this much money. But do you think Vince is capable of doing that now? I mean, he doesn't look too good when he comes out 
anytime uh, recently. Well, it's him talking. Any, but Fitz capable of doing anything. And WWE, there, you know, anything can happen, buddy. That's but true. You've got to get rid of what you're doing right now. It's too much. Well, but, but, I, I don't think I've seen a damn headlock on their TV show in two years. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so what the hell? Uh, it's great to do spots, but it's great to learn how to put them in a match. And I'm the hey, and I know a guy that can do that real good. I know <laughs> a guy that can go in there and teach them how to do things and tell stories and and get personal issues going on TV. If you got the time and patience to not thinking that you know everything and sit down and be willing to learn, I'm the man for it. School of Morton. I have a, a live YouTube show every Sunday at 5.05. Thanks to Steve New. Uh, I have <laughs> – Steve, I'm going to get my podcast going back again. Uh, you know, Scotty, my buddy, got into politics, and he's gone. Right. And, and me and Kerry, and, listen, we're trying to rebuild that NASCAR motor <laughs> over there in that bedroom, and we just can't get it done. Guys, I ain't trying to cut you short, but I, I'm going to have to get out of here. i got to be downtown – uh, Gatlinburg here in a minute. I have an uh, engagement there. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Ricky. We really appreciate it. No, no, Steve. Anytime. Steve, you know that, but all you gotta do is tell me when to be on here, especially on a Monday night. It beats better than watching fucking, oh, excuse me. It beats better than watching WWE. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with us, Ricky. We're here on House of K Fabe, and you have been listening to the living legend himself, Ricky Morton. Hey. K-Fabe, everybody. Thank That's you, Steve. Exactly right. Steve, from my heart, thank you. Thank you for being a friend to me. And, and you, are, you don't know how much you have. But I, I told my wife what you said earlier, Yeah, that when you talked, that the last time you seen her, you didn't recognize her since her ass got so big. Uh, I t- <laughs> <laughs> hey, great. great. Now, now she's going to potato me next time I'm in West Virginia, Ricky. Thank hey, you, brother. Hey, listen. Boy, I, look here. She, she would give Sugar Ray Leonard. She would have fought Conor McGregor better, the guy of the night, than he did. Yeah. I don't mess with her, but y'all have a wonderful night. I love you. Right. Thank you so much, Ricky. Thanks so much, Ricky. Thank you, buddy. We Bye-bye. will be right Bye-bye. back here on Thank House of Kayfabe. Kayfabe Radio. And we're back here on WWKR Kayfabe Radio, the only radio station devoted solely to music about for and by professional wrestlers. I am your host, Rich Quick, broadcasting all the way from Edinburgh to Eccles. Now, this week's show is brought to you by the McMahon Family Funeral Home. They bury you while you're still alive. WWKR Kayfabe Radio. I am your host, Rich Quick, and our next song is a request from an apparently very sick and weird little boy named Brian Resner. Now, I always thought the goal was to play good songs, but since the judge says this does count as community service, this next song's for you. You might recognize it from your most recent nightmares. This is The Miz and John Morrison with Hey Hey Hop Hop. Johnny, drip, drip, 
MCMIZ. There's a rocker and a bunny we gotta put on Blasty. Our rhymes are sweet, but our luch is nasty. All bunnies are bad, little pieces of crap. But you don't got the crap your rabbit family has. You ain't OG like Bugs, Peter, and Roger Rabbit. You should be kissing their paws for luck, damn it. Didn't your cousin lose a race to a tortoise? Yeah. We kick faster than Chuck Norris. Your moves, your songs, your kicks, they're sloppy. This place, they mania, no spot on your mind, They hop a little, we hop a lot. No, 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 I am not playing this song. Anyway, I've got Stephen P. New with me and Rich Quick, and we are going to talk for a second here about this song, because why in the world can Stephen P. New or Rich Quick tell me why in the world they are doing this to John Morrison? I understand the Miz. He's always kind of making a jackass of himself, and he's made a career out of it. I'm okay with that. But John Morrison, I oh, t- go ahead, Steve. Please please tell me why they're doing this. Because John Morrison needs the money. Oh, that's, that's, that's not the answer I wanted, Steve. It's not what I want. Rich, Rich, why are they doing this to John Morrison? Well, has anybody asked John Morrison how he feels? <laughs> I don't think you're I, upset because he because he's not getting used the way you want him to get used. <laughs> I agree with Rich Quick. He appears to be having a grand old time. If he's I fine, he with does. It, you, my friend, are getting offended for somebody who's not even offended. Well, you know what the problem is? The problem is I set for years, absolute years waiting for this opportunity for John Morrison to come back to the WWE. I said it. Time in and time out, man, if they would just hire John Morrison, John Morrison is is the it guy, like we were talking about earlier, the it guy. But now they've brought him back. They gave me what I wanted, but it's like that uh, that that wishmaster thing where you wish for something and you get what you wish for, but then somebody dies across, you know, somebody you know dies across the, the, the world or something. Who knows? But this situation is like I got what I wished for, but then they teased his hair and put him in a bunny costume and had him hop across the fucking stage. I I just, this is the dumbest shit ever. Is it not? Am am, am I, am I, am I exaggerating here? I have a theory. Okay. Give me your theory, Stephen P. New, please. All right. A few months ago, a bunch of us middle-aged white people hear for the first time the name bad bunny had never heard of the young man, ever. Had never heard a Bad Bunny song. They don't play Bad Bunny on Sirius XM 80s on 8. So I'm introduced to Bad Bunny. And lo and behold, who does Bad Bunny start uh, a beef with? Who does he get into it with? Miz and Morrison. Right. So it's really interesting that around Royal Rumble time, Miz is in a program and got beef with Bad Bunny, right? Right. He also has the Money in the Bank champion, the Money in the Bank box. Yeah, the briefcase. So if you notice what's happened with Miz over the last few weeks, he's got these simultaneous storylines going, right? 
Right. Bad Bunny rivalry and Money in the Bank briefcase. Yeah. They gave him the my world title theory, in that. My theory is this, that the hey, hey, hop, hop idea and a WrestleMania match, which will most likely see him job to Bad Bunny, was pitched to Miz back around Royal Rumble time. All right? I think Miz then says, the only way I'm doing hey, hey, hop, hop and jobbing to Bad Bunny on the showcase of the immortals is that if I get a title. If he gets another title run. If he gets another world title, don't care if it's for a night, don't care if it's for a week or whatever. That's the only way. So I think Miz negotiated his cash-in of the money in the bank and a one-week run as WWE champion in exchange for Hey Hey Hop Hop and a job to Bad Bunny at WrestleMania this year. And along about our friend John Morrison. I have a theory there. I was going to say, and he just sacrificed his buddy John Morrison. No, 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 no. Who in this same Royal Rumble to WrestleMania time frame just recently got signed by WWE and left Impact Wrestling? John Morrison. Mm-mm-mm. He was signed before then. John Morrison's spouse, Taya Valkyrie, oh, that's was right. signed to WWE. So I think John Morrison said to WWE management... I'll do hey, hey, hop, hop, and job to Bad Bunny at WrestleMania, but you got to give him a chick a job as well. So I think there was a little quid pro quo gone on here. That's the only way that I can explain the insanity, which is Miz and Morrison jobbing to Bad Bunny. Okay, you know what? That is a really good theory, and you are such a fucking lawyer. You're such a fucking lawyer. But, uh, man, that that makes so much sense. That's probably exactly what happened. But you know what's weird to me is why would John Morrison want his girl to work at the WWE when what happened last time when you had a girl that worked at the WWE with you? I mean, it it totally ruined his whole relationship and his job. Why do you want to do that again? He's older. He's more mature. He's in a better place. And Batista's not there. Stories about Taya Valkyrie asking people to buy her drinks at the WrestleCade uh, Marriott in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You've yes, never told me those stories. For another day. Oh. You can tell. Tell one. <laughs> well, I'm just telling you that, that she was glad, not saying she did anything inappropriate whatsoever or acted slutty or anything else. I'm just saying that she was very happy that there were young men buying her drinks at the bar at the Marriott Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Wrestle K two years ago. Yeah, but given I'm sure anybody would be happy with uh, free alcohol, I guess, right? Hell, I'm happy when old men buy me drinks. I don't care. <laughs> um, what? <clears throat> okay, now how about this? Wrestling? I resemble that remark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so. So what I think now, would this make you happy, Reznor, if the reason that Ms. Jobs to, to Bad Bunny 
is due to Morrison turning on him and then bringing up Ty of Valkyrie to be his side piece. And then now, and now John Morrison is this badass heel. Would that make you happy? Um, well, it would make me happy if he was a badass heel, but I don't think that he could do that by turning on Miz because Miz is a heel. So if he turns on Miz, he's not going to face turn Miz. He's actually going to be like kind of joining up with Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. And if he doesn't change his hairdo, he can't get over as a heel or a face or any fucking thing. What the hell is going on with his hair? Why has he got his hair teased? Can anyone answer that with a fucking big lawyer theory? Huh? Please. He looks like Aunt B. He. I, I don't understand, man. That's the Aunt B hairstyle, man. <laughs> oh, I so wish Whoa, I could do an Aunt B. It's better than what I could do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yes, I don't know how much longer Mrs. Contracts for. You know. I think he's never going to be the crossover movie star that he wants to be. As long as he's making bounty hunter movies like that's so. And, and neither is Miz. Miz is never going to be the crossover star that he wants to be. I mean, unless you watch the reality show, cause I don't No, I definitely do not. But, but there are people watching it. I, I heard it like did better ratings than NXT and AW not too long ago. There's no justice in this world. No, there really isn't. And there's definitely no justice for Miz and Morrison. And as a fan of John Morrison, I want better for John Morrison. And I think Rich Quick and I are telling you that John Morrison wants a steady, good paycheck and that he's happy as a pig in shit right now. And he doesn't give a shit what Brian Reznor wants on House of Kayfabe. That's exactly right. All right. Well, thanks for uh, making me feel better, guys. We'll be right back on House of Kayfabe. The thoughts and opinions of Steve Barker do not reflect the thoughts and opinions of House of Kayfabe, Superior Radio Network, or any of our partners or advertisers. I interrupt this Outlaw Mud Show podcast to bring you some actual entertainment. As you dear listeners know, this is where I usually bitch and complain about the worst wrestling I saw this week. But today, I'm going to be bellyaching about not a promotion but about a bunch of Hollywood assholes, NBC Universal. You've undoubtedly heard that the Peacock Network has acquired our beloved WWE Network. You know, the one place where we can go and watch good wrestling from back in the day? And they did so seemingly to censor, scrub clean, and cancel all things that they deem unfit for our delicate eyes and ears. Hey, NBC Universal, you exist in an ecosystem that employed Brian's singer look him up and dan schneider google his name an underage actress's feet and harvey weinstein which you don't need to look up oh shit i almost forgot you employed matt lauer so forgive me if i don't trust the moral compass of a faceless fake woke corporation oh shit yeah guess what network bill cosby's show was on you guessed it nbc but to be fair i mean that show was great Now, let's speak openly here. Has the history of professional wrestling had a legacy of being politically incorrect and pushing the envelope of what's socially acceptable or played in the sandbox of racial stereotypes and racial insensitivity? You bet your ass they have. But you know who else has? Mark Twain, Disney, and every president we've ever had since Jimmy Carter. Hey, 
NBC Universal. Nine times out of ten, those performers who were being racially insensitive or just fucking downright racist were the motherfucking heels or the antagonist, to use your parlance. When DX dressed in blackface, I saw them as the wannabe edgy NWO knockoffs that they were. I saw heels being dickheads. And if you saw them as faces, that's proof that tweeners are part of the death of the business. But that's another rant entirely. Where will this end? Will they cancel Dusty Rhodes kissing baby doll without her consent? Will they censor the 73 ways that God Emperor Cornette called baby doll a slut? Are they going to cancel Fuji for portraying a World War II Japanese stereotype? Therefore, making whoever is receiving his royalty checks a little less wealthy. Will early John Cena be canceled for cultural appropriation? And these questions lead me expertly to my next point. What has every wrestling fan had to hear from non-wrestling fans since the dawn of time? It's fake! It's a show! It's a performance! Just like how Dexter didn't actually kill all those victims, Triple H wasn't in real life being racist towards Booker T. And I've got news for you, you internet nerds. Edge wasn't actually fucking Lita under that sheet. I'm going to wrap this socio-political discourse with this. If we keep allowing social media and big corporations to censor free expression, we will cease to have interesting and dastardly antagonists to root against, to hate, and to hope for their downfall. We'll just be left with lifeless, bloodless tweeners that will only be able to get over with coordinated stunts and cooperative dance routines. In short, AEW. I'll leave you with this, and I don't mean to paint with a broad brush, but I've been a wrestling fan for 35 years, and I can honestly report that 99% of wrestling fans are the most open-minded, truly progressive thinkers that you're ever going to meet. We love The Rock and Sasha Banks and Ron Simmons and Pat Patterson and Okada and Nakamura and Dalton Castle, although not enough of us do. And we fell in love with them without the help of a shitty corporation censoring the content, not because of an actual moral objection to the entertainment, because they're just doing it so they can advertise on Twitter about how they cleaned up the sewer that is professional wrestling. And who is cleaning up that sewer? The same company that aired Michael Scott. And we all know he was a heel. Welcome back here on the House of Kayfabe. And you know what? I'm not feeling too fantastic about this Peacock move. I really didn't care at first because I had Peacock. So it was like, hey, I can stop paying 10 bucks for the network and I'll get it on Peacock and I'm already paying for Peacock. So win-win. 
But then started the sanitization process. And for to talk about that, I brought in the two Stevens, Stephen P. New and Stephen Barker. You may know Stephen Barker from our segment, Stephen Barker Bitches. He talks a lot of shit about a lot of things. And this week, you had a lot of shit to say about Peacock. And I figured I'd bring you in so we could actually talk about this situation where Peacock is now going to be sanitizing our network, our precious WWE network, the place that we go for solitude, to look up the wrestling that makes us feel good in our soul. We, we go there for a reason, and now that reason is being picked through by a team of NBC representatives. Stephen Barker, welcome back to the House of Kayfabe. I am going to start this out with a quote from my best friend, one of the guys that I agree with on probably just about everything. Derek Jones said, <laughs> let me get this straight. Peacock spent, okay, is it is it is it really a billion? Yeah. What did they $1 billion? They $1 billion. spent a billion dollars to cancel wrestling <laughs> how is that a good business like no one would be like hey i'm going to give you this amount of money and then i'm not going to take one half because let's be fucking honest that's what we're going to talk about tonight right that mm, a good portion of the wrestling that we know about is going to get fucking canceled. Who the fuck goes to Walmart and says, I'm going to give you this amount of money. And then you give me half the amount back. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. You know, here's a question. Here's a good question that I, that I thought of was if you are, if you're the WWE, you got to feel really stupid right now because you just sold everything to NBC for a billion dollars when technically they probably would have bought half that shit for a billion dollars and you just still had the other half to monetize in some other way. And now NBC's got it all for the billion and they're not even going to use it and they're going to take it from your fans. That is a tra- tragedy. Because if you've ever read 1984... If you've read anything that has to do with George Orwell, this is has nothing to do with making money, it seems. How can you be like, here's a billion dollars. How long will it take for them to get that billion dollars back from the people who are going to leave from the WWE Network and go to the Peacock, right? They're doing it because they want to advertise on social media that they have been the ones to come in and clean up this niche piece of entertainment. And that's all they're wanting to do. That's all they want to do with it. That's it's dude. This is the, this is one of the scariest things that we've ever dealt with. I know that it's, I know that it sounds ridiculous to be like, Hey, this corporation is going to clean up quote unquote clean up this this niche entertainment that so few people in the in the grand scheme of the 325 million people that live in this country like this this is a what we like to call in the business a slippery slope slippery. i can't even believe it I cannot believe it Stephen P new chime in here i want to know your thoughts on peacock sanitizing some of the best moments uh, of your of your whole existence here you know you love wrestling i love wrestling we've seen these moments we want to see them again they're getting wiped clean i know ecw is not going to make the cut 
nothing. What part of ECW is going to make it? If you smell what the crock is cooking. <laughs> That's, gone That's gone, too. That's, That's gone. gone. One of my favorite segments of all time. Mizark, D'Lo, Jason, whatever his name Sensation. was. Sensation. Jason Sensation. I am not a nugget, damn it. Oh, and the crock. I forgot about that guy. Shoot, I smell what the crock was cooking. That's gone. It's going to be gone, yeah. It is. Okay, it's going to be so gone. It, here's to get to Stephen Barker's point about slippery slope. I own the Seinfeld box set on DVD. Right. Do you know how many, for its time, how much inappropriate shit was said on Seinfeld? Frasier, Cheers, Friends, yeah, Third Rock from the Sun, all of the, the Office, NBC staples, The Office. They used to employ make, Bill Cosby. You couldn't make The Office today with the same type of humor. My family and I were watching Friends the other day, and we were watching the episode where Rachel goes with Ross to this paleontology seminar and Ross is the presenter it's a continuing education and Joey goes with the pretty black girl that Ross eventually ends up dating and likes and all of that Alicia Tyler right Ross says homo erectus and only Joey and Rachel laugh you know and all these scientists are looking over at Joey and Rachel like they're stupid because they are you know they're pretty and dumb but (laughs) You're not going to be able to get away with that stuff. You know, the soup Nazi, forget about, I mean, is Peacock going to cleanse all of that stuff? You know, and you know how you solve this? I grew up, I grew up watching Tom and Jerry cartoons. They came on WWKTV channel 13 every afternoon at 4 p.m. And you know what Tom and Jerry the old MGM cartoons had on them. They had a black mammy whose stockings were falling down. Thomas! And, you know, she was forevermore swinging a broom. Thomas! Get over here, Thomas Cat! You know? And so eventually, they MGM had to cut that stuff out. And Warner Brothers is either even worse. You've got Warner Brothers cartoons going back to World War II. Horrible Japanese racist stuff in it. At Disney, just as bad. What they did was they put qualifiers on their stuff. Like, when this stuff was made, this was socially acceptable. We're, we're not endorsing this as a corporation. That's all that Peacock had to do. Before the Roddy Piper Bad News Brown match, you put a qualifier out there and you insert that in the program. And you say, look, we're not endorsing this. Peacock NBC Universal does not endorse a white wrestler coming out in blackface. But it was appropriate at the time in 1987 or 88, whatever, 88, I guess. I wouldn't say appropriate, but but acceptable. (laughs) Accepted. Yeah, yeah. But there's questions, you know, is it just going to be race stuff? You know, are are we just going to see 
Well, the, they're, they're, as I said the other day in the group chat, it's going to be Val Venus and Kai and Ty and cutting his pee-pee off. It's going to be Sable with the black painted hands over her boobs. It's going to be all. It's not just going to be race. It's going to be every time Jerry Lawler said puppies. Oh, dude, Jerry Lawler is never going to appear on the fucking. It's going to be Cat and China. That stuff's gone. You think they'll leave all the, the? You think they'll leave the religious stuff in, like the, uh, like the the crucifixion of the Sandman yes, or the crucifixion of, yeah. of Austin? Yes, absolutely. Because it does not give you uh, social media credit to shit on religion. That's what this really comes down to. And I'm not a religious man, but it like you think that they're going to be like, hey, look, we made sure that you didn't get to see that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin got uh, crucified. Who else got crucified? Sandman. Sandman. Uh, one other. There's uh, another Stephanie one. McMahon. Who? Stephanie McMahon got crucified. There yep. you go. No, because there's no likes, there's no shares that's going to increase their fucking, uh, 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 that's going to increase their, oh, what's the word? Wokeness. Their wokeness. We're going to say it. Dude, is everyone here uh, okay with just like letting everyone know what your fucking, uh, political views are because this is the most political thing that we've ever talked about in all of house of kayfabe because if they only are they want to project how fucking uh they're they've become the christian right of the 80s yes yes remember when frank zappa hipper gore and Pat Robertson yep. from the 80s trying to cancel Twisted Sister. This is. And, it, and it's the, on the other side of the fence, which makes zero sense to me. I, I don't understand why it is switched sides because now the right's like freedom of speech and left is like, no, you can't say this. It's like, that's the, what, that's the opposite. It's not how it was supposed to be. Well, As- and I said, if all they had to do was say, we're, we don't endorse this. This is from a different time. You know, whether it's uh, homophobia, Billy and Chuck, psh, gone. Gone, for sure. Gone. Gone. Uh, probably Adrian Adonis. Gold dust. Adrian Adonis, psh, gone. Gold dust. Uh, May Young giving birth to a hand. I don't know whether that will stick around or not. We'll have to wait and see whether an <laughs> 80-year-old woman giving birth to a hand uh, is going to stick around and make the cut. But all they had to do was put the same kind of qualifiers that bigger companies than NBC Universal have done, MGM, Disney, lots of companies like that have faced this since, you know, because all of a sudden, Warner Brothers, they're, they're, there was a lot of content from the 40s, 50s, 60s which wasn't appropriate at the time, but it was acceptable to say or do certain things. Now we're getting into the 70s, 80s, 90s. I read an article on Twitter the other day that said there was some professor somewhere who lost her job for something she tweeted 
when she was 17 years old. I have two things to say. That's Teen Thank Vogue. That's, that's Teen Vogue. She was going to be the new Teen editor Vogue. for Teen Vogue. There, there you go. Thank God Almighty, there were no cell phones, social media, or anything else. When I was 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, I would not have a law degree today. I probably would not have finished college. I'd probably be on my way to the hoot owl shift to mine coal right now instead of you know, being a lawyer. Uh, but man, that is dangerous to, to go back and cancel somebody over something she tweeted. She, she's what now? I think Barker, uh, 29, she's 27 right now, 27, 27, 28, 10 years, 11 years ago, something she tweeted or put up, you know, bless her heart. You, did we not all say or do Stupid things when we were 17 years old. Yeah. Anybody who says they didn't, they're a liar and they're a hypocrite. Well, what you're what you're not getting is the fact that those people don't really care. They don't really care. They only care in the fact that they can virtue signal online and say, hey, look how fucking virtuous I am. I destroyed this person's career. And the woman you're talking about is a 28 nine seven uh, POC woman right and she did some she did man god damn we're gonna get canceled for this she uh, <laughs> she uh, tweeted some anti-Asian-y type stuff if you want to go into it right and they're eating their own they well, don't you know care so that she said funny. that shit they only care that they can get uh, uh, social media points for being like look how fucking woke I am so what? Somebody's going to pull 16 candles off of a streaming service because it's yes. got long duck dong on it? Yes. It's all yeah. going to be gone. And no more yanking my wanky dog food. It's all going to be gone. And let's go to, as the resident libertarian here at the House of Kayfabe, let's go, and I'm so glad I get to talk to, about, talk to a lawyer about this. As a libertarian, I feel that if a if a, a business or a person wants to uh, do what they want to do, they're allowed to. Here's the thing about NBC Universal: if they have taken one dollar of government tax breaks or subsidi- uh, subsidies, they should automatically be uh, have to. Deal with first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all the amendments. That's the problem. If if NBC Universal was just like a company that was like, we're a company and we're getting no help from the government, they should be allowed to do whatever the fuck they want to. But we both know that NBC Universal, with all of the different companies that's involved, there's some government help in there. Can we agree? Well, yeah, it's not the way that the Constitution reads. Um, First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting religion or interfering with the free exercise thereof or interfering with freedom of the press, freedom to peaceably assemble, um, freedom to petition the government for redresses. Those were never intended to apply to private businesses. Now, let me tell you the way it happens. The way it happens is if you receive some type of government benefit, then the government is able to put strings and put conditions on that. 
the government could say, if you accept this stimulus money or this bailout money or whatever else it is, or you take advantage of section blah, blah, blah of the Internal Revenue Code, then you, know, you can't, you, know, you cannot engage in censorship or any of that kind of stuff. That's how it has to happen. That's my point with all of you. You're welcome. Thank you, Stephen P. New. I've been dying to figure out a way to to uh, uh, text that question in our thread, and I figured like we would do this. That's the whole fucking ball game. If the if NBC Universal has gotten one dollar of tax. Uh, uh, you know, tax money from the people, then they should have to play by that game. And they're not well, going to get, it, they're not going to have to. It's really dangerous. And, you know, Reznor brought up the left and the right. And, and this does feel like, you know, in the 80s, it was strange bedfellows because you had Pat Robertson on the right. And then, you know, Tipper Gore, uh, you know, the moral majority was on the right, Jerry Falwell and <laughs> Jim Baker. Well, Tipper Gore's and, on the left because she was married yeah, to Al Gore. Yes, Tipper Gore's on the left. But they were both against, you know, things that they thought were uh, po- poisoning children's minds like heavy metal music like Ozzy Osbourne and Twisted Sister and, you know, that kind of crap. So, um this is really dangerous. Reznor mentioned left and right. When you got you got the right, you know, decrying cancel culture, and it, it gives them the ability to say, "Well, you're trying to cancel Dr. Seuss. You're trying to cancel Pepe Le Pew, and things like that, and all this stuff that's a that's a distraction from bigger issues that are going on in society, but." It's a litmus test on the left for how woke you are. But I will tell you that there are people on the left who are fighting back against this crap, most notably Bill Maher. Now, yeah, I, sometimes I like Bill Maher. Sometimes I don't like Bill Maher. I, I am at the church of Bill Maher. For sure. <laughs> did, did you hear the not one but two West Virginia jokes he got in last week? On the show, no, he does no. cut them a lot. He does cut them a lot. Yeah. What do so, you say? I'm sick of him and his West Virginia jokes. You, you know, <laughs> leading the nation in overdose deaths from opioids should not be a punchline, Bill Maher. Uh, I, can, anyway. I can get that. But, but, you know, we're talking about politics too much here when we should be talking about wrestling. And one thing I want to bring up is if the WWE would have done this whole thing, like I said, it should have been done with like, say, say all the content from 2008 to 2021 and you get all the pay-per-views, you get all the content from 2008 up, uh, basically, you know, well, I guess it'd be more like 2012. If you want to go into like the, the PG era, I was thinking of a post Chris Benoit era. If you start it after Chris Benoit does his thing, then you you could really probably not sanitize a lot of the stuff or not even give them, not give them that stuff. So they have no chance to sanitize it. You get to keep your ECW. Well, you get to keep your. I think it's not too late. WWE could go back and a billion dollars is going to go back on a billion dollars. Sure. I do. For the very reason that Reznor just said, you go back to NBC Universal and you say, hey, we didn't realize that you guys were going to scrub this stuff. And we've got content 
that you guys are scrubbing out, guess what? We're going to start an R-rated or, you know, the the WWE Network wow. um, R-rated. Just the WWE and, Network for um, for all the hidden gems that you can't get on Peacock. You yeah, know, okay, and just so what Reznor said where he was talking about, like, looking for a time during wrestling where if you started here, then it wouldn't have all of the problematic things that as wrestling fans, we all know they have. Right. And Reznor, I understand where you're coming from, but dude, Apollo Cruz just started two weeks ago and that motherfucker shows up with a goddamn spear. So you, that really kills all of that because if you want to really do that routine, that's canceled. He's canceled. And the other night, Stephen P talked about, like, if you get rid of Fuji and Tanaka and Kayantai and you get rid of them off the, Yokozuna. the, the platform, those people don't get paid anymore. Those people don't get royalty checks anymore. So they're eating their own. They're trying to protect us because they think that we're so fucking ignorant that we can't see racist shit and be like, that's bullshit. That's bullshit, right? Most of the people that we know, and we're from fucking West Virginia, where everyone <laughs> thinks that we're all so fucking dumb and backwards and redneck and racist, most of us know that if we see racist shit, we're like, that's fucking racist. Fuck that. Right. right. Those people on at NBC Universal don't think that we're that smart. That's what well, it comes down to. And I I think they're cutting off their noses to spite their face. I This has been a horrible PR. Uh, it's going to damage the professional wrestling industry across the board. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh with this because you can go from about 84 to 2004 and you've got the mania era and then you've got the HBK Bret Hart era, whatever you want to call it. Next generation era. Then you've got the attitude era and then you've got ruthless aggression. There's four distinct eras in there. (laughs) The attitude era and ECW being you know, the worst of that bunch. But you go back to the 80s. Uh, you, you, you're going to take Sheik out? You're going to take that, ang- you know, those angles, you know, where there's clear uh, dislike for Middle Easterners out of that? Poor Saba Simba. Saba Simba's Saba gone. Simba? That, so, so what you just said, I'm so glad someone brought that up. I was waiting. Here's the thing. Saba Simba. Libertarians. Be fucking free out there. Yes, that shit is fucking racially insensitive, (laughs) right? But Tony Atlas, I'm assuming that's not his shoot name, but Tony Atlas, as a grown-ass fucking man, decided that he was going to portray that fucking character. And who are we to say you were being racist for fucking portraying that character? Maybe it'll make us feel bad. And man, like when I see that Saba Simba shit, it makes me feel real bad. But that motherfucker paid for groceries based on the character that he decided as a fucking free man, as a free man. He decided to fucking uh, be that character. Adrian Adonis stood up on Tuesday Night Titans on the talk show in the 80s. And declared that he was gay, and he wasn't. Who did? 
Adrian Adonis. Oh, well, I mean, dude. Well, well, I mean, that just means that Adrian Adonis, they'll they'll retcon and make him the fucking world champion. That's Steven, what that means. Stephen P. New, I got a question for you. Uh, and I, I was thinking about this. It, you know, we, we hear all this about, you know, uh, Samoan was playing a, a Japanese guy and that was wrong. And these Samoans are playing cannibals and that was wrong. And we hear about Tony Atlas playing Sim- Saba Simba and that was wrong. But you never hear anybody say it was wrong for Ivan Koloff and, and Nikita Koloff to play two Russians. They weren't Russians. Nor was Barry Darso. Right. Nikolai Volkov was, in fact, he was Russian. He was, but the other guys were not. And you never hear the anybody RNG say that that was American. racially insensitive. He Why? immigrated to the United States in in the early seventies. Coached the U.S. Olympic. He has gold medal from the United States, <laughs> right. and uh, they put him out there as a terrorist. They did, but no one ever says anything about the uh, the Russian ones. Wonder why. I can tell you why, because there's no Twitter love to get from it. That's what this all is about. Just the same as, I mean, we could all protest Hillbilly Jim and Uncle Elmer and say that, you know, they're being culturally insensitive to uh appalachians all of that kind of stuff uh you know but that would be ridiculous that peacock remove hillbilly jim but i mean how awful would that be for hillbilly jim to not be streamed on peacock doesn't that bring (laughs) the their own doesn't that bring the whole um slippery slope comment back it's, it's all a slippery slope if you're getting rid of one thing what keeps you from getting rid of other things and this whole peacock thing is gonna be it's going to be a lot of stuff before it's over. Do you remember the Mr. Hankey Christmas Pooh South Park episode uh, in 1997? Of course, of course I do. Everybody was so offended. Do you remember the kids were dancing around in gray outfits to this really horrible organ music so as to not offend anybody? Guys, it's a quarter century later, and here we are. Our school kids... You know, uh, I'm not saying that you need a, a a manger. It's Holy Week this week. But we're here. We're here where somebody is going to get butt hurt, uh, you know, so you don't have any of this. You don't have any of that. And, you know, everybody's walking around in these sterile gray uniforms while bad music plays. No one is ever going to be allowed to write an interesting antagonist if this keeps up one of my favorite and i'm not on twitter but i have like you know my my i, I may I, I keep it uh, i keep up with it well you know and, you're supposed to be on twitter that's like kind of one of the uh, things you have to do to be on the house cape so you really should get on twitter <laughs> no i will never do it the reason oh, that on. i he's know got, of, he just admitted he's got burner accounts riz I have some ways to find out. Okay. And you know some people. The, if, we're, if we're trying to wrap this up, this is the best way to describe it. Uh, I'm not going to try to find it on my phone, but I'm going to... Uh, I'm just, the, the, this lady wrote I, wrote, I read the first chapter of this book, and this one character was a misogynist, a racist, a... You know, all the ists and all the isms. I will never read a book by this author again. The author jumped in and was like, 
he's the bad guy and he's not who you're supposed to be rooting for. And if you would have kept reading past four fucking pages, you would have seen that this motherfucker got his comeuppance. And that's the fucking problem that if you want to write stories, you have to have bad people and bad people do bad fucking things based on social norms. And if NBC keeps this up, we're never going to have a good fucking bad guy again. And, and dude, I don't know where this is going to air between uh, before or after my segment, NBC After. employed uh, Matt Lauer and fucking Bill Cosby. Who the fuck are you? Bill Cosby <laughs> raped a bunch of chicks and Matt Lauer more than likely did. <laughs> is this just, maybe this is and, and I know that we got a rap res. Maybe they're over atoning, Barker. Uh, maybe, but. I maybe I, I that would give me hope, but I think it's more about them getting to let everybody know that they cleaned up these filthy wrestling fans uh, entertainment. Well, what will be the tale of the tape is if they leave homo erectus in friends and they leave, that's what she said in the office, but they take all of the stuff out of the attitude air and ECW and the other stuff that's politically incorrect uh, off the WWE network on Peacock. It'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out. Real quick, everyone out there who really care about liberty and freedom, you can get a VPN and you can get the network outside of America because if you've looked it up, they're only doing that for American viewers. If you can get a VPN, you can get the WWE Network out of country and you can see all the shit and you can feel like you still have freedom to watch the things that you think are good or bad. Interesting. Said, oh, no, Biatch, you look horrible tonight. Interesting. Perfect. That's it. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I did not know that, Stephen Barker. Well, I'll tell you something interesting that I found is a lot of people are complaining because they can't see the ECW stuff. But I will let you know, if you log into your WWE Network account on WWE.com, you can still see that stuff. It is still there. We will see what happens. It's going to be an interesting next couple of years. How long is it? Is it a year? It's five years, isn't it? Five years? It's long enough that if you own VCR tapes and DVDs of all this stuff, it's all going to become far more valuable. That is interesting because I got crates and crates and crates of VHS tapes. We will find out if those become worth millions when we come back here on House of Kayfabe. House of Kayfabe. Over 35 years, Robert and I have been around the world several times together. We have been through the sad times, the greatest times in the world, and we have shared life's tragedies. Through that whole time, and I have four brothers at home, but here in my heart, I have five. I would never change nothing. You were the greatest person I ever met in my life. 
I just wanted to tell you, thank you for everything. The greatest partner in the world, ladies and gentlemen, the Rock and Roll Express. Take it to the edge, I do it till it bleeds I push it to the limit, I ain't